in the season of Advent, this season of preparation as we make our way toward Christmas and celebration again of the birth of Jesus. So today I want to invite you just to settle in uh, to this holy place and, uh, and, and meet the God of peace who is here. Our God promises to comfort those who are in distress, uh, who may be wounded who feel, or feeling vulnerable today, those who are in need of forgiveness, and those maybe just in need of reassurance. So God offers stability amid all the upheaval in our lives, and he brings salvation to people who are suffering and calls us to be bearers of good news to others. So that's our challenge on this second weekend in Advent. So let's pray together, shall we? Lord, as we come to celebrate again the coming of your Son into the world, draw near to us and bring wholeness to to those who are clinging today to their brokenness. Speak to us a word that we need to hear that will bring healing into our lives. Send your spirit to dwell with us and empower us as we seek to serve you in the familiar and even the unexpected places this day and the week ahead. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you uh, weren't here last week, we talked about how sometimes we get to Christmas and we look back and after all the shopping and the parties and the activities, we miss the reason that we celebrate and the reason is Jesus. And we also discovered that God is not usually found in the hustle and the bustle of this season, but will be found when we get still and seek him with our whole heart. The world around us has made Christmas into just about everything but a celebration of Christ's birth. And that's why it's important that we who are Christ followers keep that story alive, especially for our kids and for our grandkids, um, and be reminded that all the other stuff, the gift giving, the lights, the trees, the shopping, all of that are secondary to the truth that God came to save us and to show us what God is like and to give us hope. And so we're going to continue that story today by looking at a couple of songs that are part of the Christmas season, and hopefully um, we'll discover that there's some applications from uh, today's scripture to, to those of us who really want to seek Jesus in our lives today. What is it about Christmas music that we love so much? Is it the memories that songs of Christmas stir up within us? Is it the power of music like Handel's Messiah or maybe the simple melody of a familiar carol like Joy to the World? Or the tradition of starting off the Christian year with O Come, O Come, Emmanuel? In our house, you're likely to hear Christmas music just about any time of the year, but it begins with more regularity about the end of August or early fall And it could be instrumental or vocal. A lot of it is religious theme, but not entirely. But, you know, Jan always enjoys getting an early start on the music of Christmas. What's your favorite album or song? Is it White Christmas by Bing Crosby, produced in 1942? It's the best-selling single of all time with over 50 million in sales. Or maybe it's Elvis Presley or Kenny G, or Mannheim Steamroller. Their uh, albums are in the top four on the best-selling Christmas albums of all time. Maybe your favorite genre is country. Jan and I actually went to see a Christmas show by Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton many years ago, and I'm not ashamed to say we enjoyed it. 
No matter what your taste, though, is or generation that you are from, there is Christmas music for all of us. Uh, in fact, every musical genre has Christmas albums. And while I'm not recommending Twisted Sister, uh, Twisted Christmas, or Jethro Tull's Christmas album called Bad Religion, or Eminem, all of those artists have put out Christmas albums, and that's just a little scary. But it's interesting that we love Christmas music so much because songs have been part of the Christmas story from the very beginning. On the night that Jesus was born, there was music from the heavens as a host of angels sang about the good news of great joy that had come in Jesus. Well, actually, the Bible doesn't say that angels sang this message. We say that in the words of carols like, Hark the herald angels sing, and angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains. But we like to think of the angels singing, but this is what it actually says in Luke's Gospel, the second chapter. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger." And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those who, with whom God is pleased. Okay, so there was no music that we know of, but there was a song and there was a message. And while many people missed the message and didn't hear the song, the shepherds didn't miss it. Last week we talked about how too often in our celebration of Christmas we get so busy that we miss what Christmas is really all about. We miss the person of Jesus. And this week we want to focus on not missing the song. We don't want to miss the message of the angels because what they had to say was good news and it still brings great joy to people. And here's why. The gift of love they sang about is for all people. Now, I'm glad that Christmas music spans the musical world from Nat King Cole to Trans-Siberian Orchestra to Brenda Lee, because it shows us that the message of Christmas is for everyone. And to make sure that all people get to hear this message of God's love, God chose some of the least likely people to first hear it. The message of Jesus' birth was not given to the religious leaders of the day, not to the rulers of the time. It was not given to those who were socially acceptable and in power and proper. It was given to the lowly. It was given to the poor. It was given to those everyone else looked down on. It was given to some shepherds. Working with sheep and living in the fields not only made these shepherds physically dirty, but also ceremonially unclean. Shepherds were not able to worship in the temple because their jobs made them unpresentable to God. And through the years, shepherds got a bad reputation. They were notorious for being liars and being cheaters. 
And this was the least likely group of people for God to choose to broadcast such a powerful message of hope and joy. And by choosing them first, God is telling the world that his message, this gift of love and salvation in Jesus is truly for all people. But another song that tells us that God's love is for all people is the song of Mary. The night the angel Gabriel told Mary that she had been chosen by God to be the mother of the Messiah, Mary sang a song. Well, okay, once again, she probably didn't sing the song, but the lyrics and the message of the song are powerful because what Mary says is that God has seen in her a humble, lowly girl and still yet blessed her with his love. Again, reminding us that God's love is for all of us. Here again the words of Luke chapter 1. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Again, Mary was an unlikely candidate to be the mother of the Messiah because she was just an ordinary, hardworking young girl. She was not from a royal family or a wealthy family. There was nothing in her history or in her character that suggested that she should be given this high honor. And when God chose Mary, he was making a statement, a statement that the Messiah was coming to and for all people. When God chose a young girl who was poor and weak and vulnerable, God was sending the message that he is for all people. The song of Christmas that we cannot miss is that God has come for all people, which means that God is here for you and for me. But what do we mean when we say God is for us? The first thing I think that means is that God loves us. God loves all people. John 3.16 reminds us of that. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Not just a few people, not just some chosen people, not just the nice and accepted people, but all people. The choice of Mary and the shepherd shows us that God is truly for all people and he wants all of us to know and experience his love. And when we talk about the love of God uh, for us, we need to understand that we aren't talking about some kind of casual, impersonal love, but a love that is lavish and it's unconditional and it's abundant. It's a personal love that's poured out on us. In Romans 5, uh, verse 5, we read that God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. St. Paul says, For this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. The love of God doesn't just drip, drip, drip into our life a little bit at a time. It's not rationed by God. It's not given grudgingly or sparingly. It is an ongoing eternal fountain of grace that's poured into our hearts. 
And the question is, do we believe? Do we believe that God loves us that much? Forget about love for a moment. Do we even think that God likes us? That God wants to be near us or spend time with us? You know, I often think that God has to love me because that's who God is. But I wonder sometimes if God really likes me. Does God favor me? Does he enjoy my company? And the truth is, God does for each of us. God favors and loves us and takes delight in each one of us. In the Old Testament book of Zephaniah, chapter 3, verse 17, we read, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness and with his love. He will calm all of your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. It's one of my favorite Bible verses because it tells me three important things. That God is with us, God saves us, and God delights in us. But it also tells us once again that there is singing that takes place with God's message of love. God rejoices over us with singing. The love of God is so much greater, so much deeper, so much higher, so much wider than we can begin to even imagine. And Jesus tried to make that point in a story that he told about the ridiculous love of God in the New Testament. In this story, there's a son who asks his father for his inheritance before the father has died. And that would have been a slap in the face to this father. But the father shows his love by giving his son the money. And then the son goes out and spends the entire amount on wild living. And at the lowest point in his life, when he has nothing left, he decides to return to his father and beg his forgiveness and see if he can return home and just be a mere servant. And we pick up the story in Luke's gospel, the 15th chapter, verse 20. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, and filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, and he embraced him and kissed him. And what the father does here is absolutely crazy, because dignified men didn't run, and they certainly didn't run out to welcome home a disgraced child. The son is not only physically dirty after working on a farm with pigs, but he has made himself unclean, and the father doesn't care. He just embraces him. He kisses him. The story is a picture of God's love for us. We are the ones who are undeserving. We are the ones who have disgraced him, but God runs to read us and pours his love upon us and welcomes us into his presence God forgives us and gives us life, and that's the song of Christmas that is for every one of us. God loves all people, and God's love is powerful, it's forgiving, it's life-giving, it's eternal. But secondly, God's love for us means that God shares in our pain. God knows what each of us are going through in this life. And he shares our burdens, and he knows our sorrow. And Psalm 38, or 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. God's love literally moves him to come near us, to be with us. And one of the songs we sing in this season is the simple carol, Away in a Manger. And one of those verses in that song says, Be near me, Lord Jesus, I ask thee to stay. Close by me forever and love me, I pray. 
But that's what God does through Jesus. He comes to be near us and walk with us and carry our burdens and carry our pain. God knows all about our disappointments in life. He knows all about our betrayals. God knows our weakness and our problems. He knows what it's like to be alone and lonely and hungry and hurting. When we look at Hebrews chapter 4, it says, The high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help when we need it the most. Jesus was tempted in every way that we're tempted, the same ways. And during his life, he experienced every pain, every sorrow, every disappointment that we do, which means that God really does share the pain of all of us. And we can approach him with confidence because we know that God understands the full experience of our life. God knows what we're going through today. And he offers to help. God's love not only means that God shares our pain, but third, it means that the sacrifice of Jesus is for all people. God offers salvation to all who will receive it. 1 Timothy 2.4 tells us that God our Savior wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. The song of salvation heard by the shepherds was a song of salvation for everyone. Jesus offers a relationship with God to the entire world. And Christ followers can't be holding that song back. We need to be sharing this good news of great joy through the song of our own lives. While we enjoy singing it in the carols, maybe more importantly, we need to be sharing it through our words, through our actions, and through our invitations all year long. And I want to encourage you again on this second Sunday in Advent to invite someone to worship with you on Christmas Eve. Um, That's just over two weeks away. And I'm going to ask you, if you're going to be here, if you're going to be in, a, uh, in worship with us, uh, start praying for someone that you can ask to come with you who might need to hear God's message of love and hope and peace. Pray for that person and invite them to come with you. Uh, invite them to sit with you and sing with you. And this is one way that we can make sure we don't miss the song because the song was not ju- just given to be heard, it was given for us to sing. But another way to make sure we don't miss the song is to sing of God's love in places where hope and help are needed. Throughout his life, Jesus chose to walk with the poor, with the outcast, with the needy. And so the question for us today is how can we sing this song of Christmas among the poor and the outcast and the needy in our own community and in our world? God is with those who are marginalized, with those who are forgotten in this season? Are we willing to join God in those places? Are you willing to serve the poor and to give to those who are in need? Are you willing to visit those who are sick or those who are homebound? How are you uh, about going and sitting with someone who's isolated and alone and just listening? Someone who's given up hope. Are you willing to encourage those who are grieving in this season and invite those who feel left out? I want to remind us today that a great way to help and serve this month is by supporting your church with your time. We need lots of people willing to serve each Sunday morning 
and then on Christmas Eve. We have more guests in the month of December than in any other time of the year. And the warmth and the hospitality that we show is what makes a person want to come back. But you can also help by setting aside some money for our Christmas offering, which this year is going to support Wesley Woods Camp, a camp that has impacted the lives of so many of our kids uh, over the years and is in need of great repair. Uh, you can, uh, the other part of the Christmas offering is going to the DeWitt School's community closet. Uh, each of our school buildings, as I understand it, is now developing a community closet so that they're able to serve kids in need. And the other, the third of the offering is going to support Safe Center, which provides a safe place for families dealing with domestic abuse. But my encouragement to you today is don't miss the song in this season. Listening to the music of the holidays is great, but don't miss the message that God's love is for all people, not just for us. It's for all of us. God knows our pain. He offers us grace and mercy. God rejoices over us with singing, and he has come to be our Savior. And that's the good news of great joy that we celebrate in this season, and truly it is for all people. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that in your great plan to redeem us, you sent Jesus to be born in Bethlehem of Judea on that astonishing night while shepherds were watching their sheep. Thank you for the good news of great joy, which is for all people who trust in you for the forgiveness of their sins and life everlasting. Thank you that you did not leave us dead in our sins, but purposed from the foundation of the world to give Jesus as the perfect Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world and become the good shepherd of the sheep for all who would trust in his holy name. So thank you uh, that in Christ we have nothing to fear and we have everything to be thankful for. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.